Did we make it? Are we back? Welcome to another episode of the Sweep the Leg podcast. I am one of your hosts with the most, uh, Super Tim, and um, here with me once again is the other host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing good. We are finally back after a long hiatus, so it's good times, sir. And I have to say that this is the perfect day to record Back to the Future 2 and 3 because... As we speak, Back to the Future 2 just got over, and Back to the Future 3 is on ABC Family right now. So Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, because I was just watching Part 2 and Part 3 just started. So I was like, this is just inevitable that we had to do this today. So oh, that's, that, that's really cool. I did not know that. That's that's kind of neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. And I have to say before we get into this, um, I have some good neighbors. Did you hear about my story on Facebook last night? Yeah, I did. That sucks, man. Yeah, and to let everybody know what's going on, uh, last night I was cleaning uh, my house because usually on the weekends, you know, I my wife goes to work at night, so I'm cleaning. I had the music playing. I get a knock on the door, and uh, it's two girls that uh, I've never met before, but they're my neighbors, evidently. And they said, uh, do you know who owns that green? I have a Dodge Intrepid. Uh, it's a 94. And they said, do you know who owns that green car? I said, yeah, I do. And she goes, well, someone just hit the front of it. I was like, oh, my gosh. And she goes, it sounded uh, really, really loud, but it uh, doesn't look as bad as it sounded. So I don't have any shoes or socks on. I go outside, and uh, I see that uh, on my left side. What is, time was this happening? Uh... Seven. Oh yeah. So 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 is so is just getting to be nighttime. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I go outside and I see that my um, bottom part of the light is smashed in, and um, and then they're like, "Well, my mom went to go chase him down." So here's basically what happened. I have a park that uh, is right by my house, and these two teenagers were in their car, and evidently they went to the driveway across the street from me, backed into my car, and took off. The mom got into her car, and she drove, and it's 30 miles an hour here, she drove 50 miles an hour to go track them down, and I guess they went two blocks away into a parking lot, and uh, they were checking out their damage. She pulls up with the cops on the phone and you know, was giving them their license plate and uh-huh. basically said, you shouldn't have left. He goes, oh, well, we were just checking our damage. Uh, we were going to go back. She goes, yeah, you should probably go back. So by the time I go out there, uh, the park police are out there. They just called the real police, and they show up. 
and then when the real police show up they say well you can go back in the house you know we'll uh, do a police report so they didn't even give the guys hit and run I mean the guys if that mom never went after him uh, wouldn't that be hit and run but they they ticket them for illegal backing so but I mean justice is served I got excellent neighbors you know yeah yeah absolutely sounds but, pretty crazy yeah so I mean that was the highlight of my night I guess it sucks so <laughs> yeah uh, what are you gonna do? So, and as I, uh, as you know, I recorded the uh, quick fast five review because me and you both agreed that we're gonna see some movies this year in the theater. But I'm not caught up on the Harry Potter series versus you are. I was caught up on the Fast and Furious series, and you weren't. So we just kind of decided we were gonna throw some quick solo reviews of movies that me and you do see in the theater, but we don't see together. And you were planning on doing the Harry Potter. The newest yeah, ones, yes, I am planning on doing a Harry Potter retrospective of the first seven films and also doing a um, Harry Potter um, for the eighth film, I guess, or the second part of the seventh film, I guess, you want to get technical. And also, I'm, I'm planning on, I don't know if you're planning on seeing Green Lantern or not. Uh, I want to, but it's not a priority. Um, right. I'm definitely going to go see Transformers 3. Of course. Um, for sure. And uh, we'll definitely do that sucker. And hopefully uh, the trailer looks amazing and it looks very dark. I am so – I really it hope it – the movie it does. does. And I want to see it. But, you know, I, I, I feel that after the debacle that was the second movie, not that I don't want to see it, but it's just going to be very, very hard to convince my boss to go see it. Yeah. If you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I I uh, I liked a lot. I liked a lot of things in part two, and there's a lot of things I didn't like in part two. I mean, obviously, number one was really really good, but uh, yeah. but number three looks like Michael Bay even said, "I learned from my mistakes, and I'm hoping to repair the damage." So I'm looking Let's to see. So. Let's hope so. We, 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 because the first thing, first order of business was he got rid of Megan Fox. Yes. Thank heavens for that. Yes. But yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna be definitely seeing a lot of movies that you know that that I have an interest in seeing and and not necessarily that you have an interest in seeing and vice versa. Right. And it's still gonna be good. It's still gonna be good. We're still gonna deliver quality. And I haven't listened to your Fast Five review because I I don't want to be spoiled too much because I still haven't seen the first four. So, but a friend of mine had let me the Fast and the Furious the first movie on Blu-ray and I hope to check that out here pretty soon. Probably watch it tomorrow. Nice. And uh, this is definitely, as I was saying on the review, that this is one series, love it or hate it, but the the sequels get better and better instead of crappier and crappier. Uh, That's always good. That's yeah. always good. Considering I don't like the first one, and my wife didn't like the first one. But, really? But she, well, I, I was just like, yeah, it was all right. It was pretty cool. But it wasn't until I got to part two where I was like, wow, this is really good. By the time I got the three, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then finally when I saw the, the last one, that's when my wife went to the theater. And she's like, wow, this is really good. I can't wait to see part five. And uh, yeah, it, it's all in my it's all in my review. And like I said, I did a non-spoiler review in the beginning, and then after the music, I, I did a spoiler-filled uh, version of that. But uh, but yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. sweet. Um, yeah, I definitely want to see these. I heard great things about uh, about the first and the second film, but the third film didn't. I didn't hear so too many good things about. It. I actually thought that they were gonna, you know, that that movie. I heard that movie kind of killed the franchise maybe a little bit. 
Actually, that is the reason why it got reinvigorated is because of Vin Diesel showing up at the end of the movie. Fans went crazy, and that's when the producers realized that they had to get Vin Diesel back. And that's why they made Fast and Furious with all the original characters is because of the ending right. of Tokyo Drift. So, yeah, yeah. So it's good times. But um, but yeah, um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing that, and hopefully, with some of our solo reviews, we can bring on some some co-hosts, and that's what we're hoping for. Yes, I tried uh, to co-host, but unfortunately, they weren't seeing the movie as of uh, as of the theater. They were gonna wait, so I said, "Nah, no problem. I'll just do it myself." So no big gotcha. deal. You know. gotcha. Okay, all right. Thanks. Um, and, and and that's it as far I guess as, as far as as podcast news goes. Yes. Um, why do we, we Why don't we go ahead and get into our movie and music news of the week? All right. All right, sir. So uh, I just found out last night that the Home Alone house is going on sale for two point four million dollars. Did you know? About I heard that. that's crazy. Exactly. Uh, I, I I think the house. <laughs> I think before Home Alone, the house was worth like seven hundred thousand dollars. So the that's fact good. that it's the Home Alone house, two point four million. Eh, you know, I don't have that money, obviously, but I think it's kind of cool that they're willing to sell it and be yeah. will. You know. Yeah, and, and this is the house from the first two movies. Yes. The, the, the good movies. Yes, the good movies. I never wanted to see after number two. I saw number three, unfortunately, and it's not that great. Great. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. So, um, other other related news. Um, we haven't been, you know, me and you, you either had to work or I know you just came back from vacation. I was teasing you how you go on vacation more in the present. You said I only went on vacation once. And I only went on the vacation the one time. There was this one time that I was that I was um, doing a, a, like I think a, an Easter thing where I couldn't record and and some other things that came up because my wife wanted to visit her family because we hadn't seen her family in a long time. So that was the the one thing. And uh, this past week was a real vacation. It's just. It's mostly been my work schedule. So. Yeah, clear on the about that. Right, and then I, my wife was sick, and I couldn't do anything. So we missed a lot of movie news, and uh, I know Jason and Danny at Film and Focus covered a lot of the new uh, Superman uh, info uh, that came up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the, <laughs> like for example, the Dark Knight Rises um, with the with the casting. Um, you know. They're saying that uh, Gordon Levitt is supposed to play this character and he's not playing this and everybody's getting mad. But as you know from Batman Begins, Liam Neeson was cast as Ducard, which was later revealed to be uh, Ra's al Ghul. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they're hiring you know, these two new actors and they play somebody else completely at the end. You know. Yeah, and it's not like they're necessarily two new actors. This is Joseph Gordon Levitt and Marion Cotillard, who... Who Christopher Nolan knows has good acting chops and knows that they can perform well in a movie. I I think they he would give uh, them bigger movie roles than just a beat cop and a um, financial advisor. Right. And uh, my thing is with Gordon, I thought it would be great if he was Falcone's son. I thought it would be a pretty interesting take because you know that they're gonna wrap 
all three of these movies together. And yeah. I, I really like the fact that Christopher Nolan is basically like, this is my franchise. Nobody's going to mess with it. You know, in regards to the whole reboot thing, they're thinking about rebooting it afterwards. But I can, I understand it. What, what are your thoughts? Because I uh, actually like that idea. The uh, the reboot, Um, I wish, I want them to kind of, kind of wait at least five or ten years before they start rebooting Batman, just so, you know, so so Nolan's franchise is still fresh in everybody's head. I mean, I, I just, I'd rather see a Batman television show made right after these movies than another movie series. That's just me, though. Right, but, I mean, look at it from his perspective. I mean, if this is your baby, and would you really want someone to come in and jack around with your stuff? No, of course not, of course not. I get that. Right, it's just, I, I would I would rather I would rather Nolan say okay why don't we do a movie like in about five or ten years and let me kind of do do my own thing because that's the reason why he didn't do Batman th- uh, Dark Knight Rises right away is because he wanted a break from Batman for a bit and you know so he could do his own thing with Inception and that turned out to be a colossal success so yeah. I think if he can like focus on some more original ideas like that I think that would be really really cool and then jump back into Batman. Right. But, you know, we, number one, we don't even have the movie. Number two, we don't know how it's going to do. And number three, we can't tell the future. So all this talk is just what it is. It's talk. We don't know what Christopher Nolan is going to do. I mean, he even said, I don't even know if I'm going to do a number three because of the Dark Knight. And look what happened. The dude took some time off and he came up with an excellent script and he decided to do it. So God only knows that after number three, we could possibly get another one. I don't know. It Only time is going to tell, basically. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, we've got some um, um, some casting news as far as uh, Superman goes. Um, Michael Shannon is going to play the role of General Zod, and um, and as as most film buffs would know, General Zod was the you know the character that Terrence Stamp played in the first two Superman films, played masterfully by by Terrence Stamp, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this Michael Shannon guy does with the character. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I uh, I'm excited that they picked Zod over Lex Luthor. I have to say in Superman Returns that um, Kevin Spacey was excellent as Lex. Oh Luthor. yes, oh yes. But I, I do I do still want to see Lex Luthor in some form in this film as a cameo. Whether they have you know his corporation LexCorp be like a, a throwaway mention, like yeah. like you'll see a a, a the LexCorp tower. Um, I'd like to see something like that in in terms of Lex Luthor. But from what I understand about this film, it is basically a um, a reboot origin film like Batman Begins. Right. And then, and that's every time I hear about this movie, it's what it seems like. So having Superman fight Zod is good. And I, I think we I think we need, people want to see Superman punch something. They want to see him just get down and dirty with the with the villain. And you really can't do that with Lex Luthor so much. Right. And uh, I do have to say with the newest episode of uh, Supernatural, uh, for those of you who have seen it, I have to say I love the whole uh, Superman turning evil uh, reference and, you know, Dean telling Sam that he's Lois Lane. So you guys have to see that. So I thought it was hilarious. I I love that because I'm such a huge Superman fan. And uh, and um, Ty from the Crossroads, who, you know, I still maintain a communicating relationship with, you know, because we watch the same Pretty much the same TV shows, so we talk about them like all the time. And um, 
he told me that there was a Superman reference in Supernatural before I got to watch it, so I got to look forward to that, and that was that was really, really good. I loved it. Anyway, um, also, we've got... Um, we've talked about Amy Adams. We've talked about Henry Cavill. Um, we've talked about Kevin Costner and Diane Lane playing the Kents. Yes. Um, we've also got um, the role of... Uh, um, Feora, played by Ange Trow, who, um, Feora is one of Zod, Zod's right-hand women. Like, basically, kind of like Ursa in the Superman films. Right. And, and Ange Trow, I've never heard of her. She's a, a generally unknown German actress. So, we'll see. I, I, I mean, uh, the, the cast seems to be very, very good and for this movie. And I think um, it's going to be really good. And I, I just can't wait for it to come out. I'm yeah, sure. I think it's going to be excellent. Um, I yeah. do know that yesterday they posted um, the first leak picture of The Dark Knight Rises, which was just a kind of a green puddle. And everybody had their theories, but if anything, it could just be a special effects uh, area. It was I'm not exactly sure the details on the puddle. Did you, uh, did you see that I've picture? Seen picture? I've seen the picture. And I have a theory as to what it could be as a you know, as as a as a DC Comics fan, um, but it's the only speculation at this point. So yeah, uh, basically the most I'm pulling up the story now. Um, it's basically a mystic pool with regeneratory properties. Regenerative properties. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was. I saw the picture before I read the article, and that's what I think it is. I think it's the Lazarus Pit, which it's basically how Ra's al Ghul is able to be immortal. Yeah, which if they're basing this on reality, not sure how they're going to pull that off without it being lame. So well, well, I mean, talk about reality. The, uh, the movie's about a guy who dresses up as a bat. I mean, it's not very realistic. If you uh, right, <laughs> but as you know, that these, I mean, all of these characters. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying that they try to ground it in in realism. Right. But but you know they. The, they got to do this because you know they're trying to wrap up the Ra's al Ghul story. So yeah, it's good time. So um, I would say um, I tried. I was trying to think of other uh, news that I had, but um, that was pretty much the bit. Oh, um, in regards to Back to the Future from the last episode, uh, we were talking about uh, Biff. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was in Cap Nowhere with Christopher Lloyd. And we forgot to mention that. That kind of slipped our mind afterward. Um, and that was a very good movie, I have to say. Oh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I watched that movie several times as a kid. I, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, he was in Knight Rider. That's, uh, he was in season one. That's kind of how he started off before he hit Back to the Future, too. So, uh, cool. yeah. And, and, you know, I love Knight Rider as, as cheesy as it is. So, um, outside of that, uh, we got the X-Men. Well, I know Thor just came out. Thor uh, just came out last night, I think. Yeah, and it's doing, I would assume it's doing good. It's got good reviews. Um, I'm hearing excellent things about it. And I was actually a little hesitant because I'm not a huge fan of the Thor character. But, you know, I, I might give this a watch maybe. Yeah. Look-see. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I'll probably wait for DVD on this. Yeah, one. I mean, I'll wait for the DVD, but, but I'll watch it when it comes out. I yeah. mean. I mean, uh, because because they're they're doing this Marvel, you know, Avengers thing. So you know, it's see see nice how see how it ties into that. And it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, who's a 
a very, very accomplished director, and not just your run-of-the-mill director that just, you know, they found some guy off the street. Kenneth Branagh has directed and acted in many things, so he's very respected in the film industry, so that's always good. Yeah, and actually, um, one thing I am super happy about, uh, considering Fast Five, as uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, but the action, one thing that people love about it is the fact of there's very little racing. I think there was maybe two racing scenes. The movie is based on uh, story a lot of time, but the action is mind-blowing action. And the director of that movie, uh, he is now going to take over the new Terminator movie coming out and uh, arnold is actually attached to that have you heard about that i have i have heard about this i have heard about this um i'm a little nervous about a new terminator film because the last time i got excited about a new terminator film it kind of blew <laughs> yeah i haven't watched it yet I-, I own it but i haven't watched it yet um the arnold cameo is like probably the best part of the movie yeah because um, they play the music and you know that yeah awesome so that was probably the best part of the movie. I I, I fell asleep through most of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll watch it eventually when I want to have a, a Terminator retrospective. But a lot of people are saying, "Do you want to see a 62-year-old Arnold back as the Terminator?" I think they could pull it off with CGI, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, see, that was the the thing with uh, with the Arnold cameo in Terminator Salvation. It was mostly CG, and they made him look like the the Arnold from the first movie, and it was awesome. Yeah. I, I think they could definitely pull it off. And who's to say that he's going to be playing a Terminator? Exactly. He could be playing, you know, the 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 man who the Terminators the, the Terminators that Arnold plays in the movies are based off of. Right, exactly. And Justin Lin, he's kind of called the Asian Michael Bay, but in a good way in regards to like his film style is about just big dumb fun action but he he does it so much better than michael bay he doesn't do slow motion he just does tons of mind-blowing action so i think if anybody's gonna pull it off uh i've liked all of his movies so far but uh, for people who don't like the fast and furious franchise which i completely understand i think they should give this movie a chance because justin will be able to pull off some good action i think so now justin lynn has he just done the fast and the furious movies or has he done other stuff uh, my for, for action directing. I'm looking it up right now. I'm just wondering if you could think of any in the back of your head. Um, okay, nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> but yeah, Fast and the Furious. He directed Fast and Furious three, Fast and Furious, and Fast Five. Yeah. So he's pretty much you know the runner of the Fast and the Furious franchise right now. Basically, yeah, he's gonna be making number six after the Terminator movie. So. Nice. Going to be good time. So uh, I think that's probably our news for this week. Um, why don't we go – now, uh, we decided to do Back to the Future 2 and 3 just because we haven't uh, been um, – you know, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. And we figured we just wanted to get it out of the way. And it kind of makes sense since Back to the Future 2 and 3 were filmed together. Might as well talk about both of them together because they go hand in hand together. So pretty much, I mean, uh, are, are we just gonna just start jumping right in, or because I guys got some things to say about the kind of the, the development of this movie? Yeah, why don't we just jump right on it? All right then. Do you remember the future? Where? Back 
to the future. Are we back? We're back. What do you mean we're in the future? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. The future. I got to check this out, Doc. Look what happened oh. to your son. Oh. He's a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. You've been looking. Hey, look. Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. And try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented the time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? Now, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat lead slackers! Biff? Hello? Hello, anybody home? Why they can't be you? You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future, Part 2, coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. So what you got to say? Okay, well, first off, you know, it goes without saying that Back to the Future, the first movie made in 1985, was a huge success. And... Obviously, a sequel was in the minds of, uh, of of the writers and producers and director of this movie, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Um, and um, the original script for this movie um, was actually one script. It was one huge movie. And it, was, and it wasn't even going to be called Back to the Future Part 2. It was going to be called Paradox. Nice. Like, that, was, that, that was the working title of the movie was Paradox. And... Like, basically, it was the same thing, only, you know, it went through many revisions, you know, once, one version, you had, you had as just one script, as one huge movie, and, you know, it's basically like it is in Back to the, it's basically Back to the Future 2 and 3 combined, and, and then, and then finally they said, you know what, we're, we're not going to make this movie, because I don't want to make the, the most expensive movie ever made. Because right. it just would have cost so much money to make this huge movie with all these special effects, all this Western stuff, all these time travel, the future, all this stuff. So, so they decided to split it up into two movies and film them at the same time. And even, even we're going to talk about number two first, obviously. But number two, you know, they they wanted to do to wrap up the whole future thing, you know, at the beginning of the movie, and then time travel somewhere and do this biff thing and and then what was going to happen is marty was going to be in the in the 60s and actually and he he would have interfered with his own um birth but they kind of decided against that since that was too much like the first movie right and so they kind of decided to, to, to stray away from that but um 
But why don't we just talk about the movie in general, not just the con- the conception of it, even though that's an interesting subject. Um, yeah, I definitely – I don't want to go detail, you know, scene for uh, scene like I, we did in the first one. Yeah, I just think – It's cool trivia. It's yeah. Cool. I, I mean, let's start off in the beginning. I mean, for the most part, when they recreated the ending of where the first one left off, obviously with Elizabeth Shue now taking over, um, I thought they did, for the most part, they did capture it well, pretty much scene for scene. I mean, Michael J. Fox, you could tell, aged at this point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and he's put on a few pounds. Yeah, put on a few pounds. Elizabeth <laughs> Shue, uh, I love Elizabeth Shue, but I would still take, as we said before, I'd take the other Jennifer over her any day. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I think Claudia Wells was a better Jennifer in in this. But you know, you know, it, it really didn't matter too much because the Jennifer in the first movie was so awesome. But since uh, Elizabeth Shue is basically unconscious for the in, for the entire next two movies, it works. Right, and and to give you background, the reason why she's unconscious is because writing wise, they didn't know what to do with their character since the beginning. The ending of the first one was a joke. Uh, yeah. if they knew they were going to make a sequel. They would have just left Jennifer behind, but because of the fact of well, now we have a sequel. Now we have Jennifer. The only thing they could do really was make her unconscious. But of course, she does have a pivotal role towards like the you know middle of the movie where with she's the facts we're right. with the facts and you know she right she, she learns about about time travel and stuff like that but uh, overall, uh, the thing I love the most is uh, Christopher Lloyd's delivery about, uh, you know, why do we have to go back to the future? Do we become a-holes or something? And this time, he actually thinks about it, looks up in the air, and then answers. He hesitates. He hesitates. I love that. I yeah. always love that. I love it. That, that's I, I could watch that scene over and over because it's just hilarious. It's hilarious. Like Christopher Lloyd just, just like goes, uh, no, 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 no. You're never nope. going to fine. <laughs> and then we get a new scene where Biff uh, walks out the house and just says, you know, he sees the flying DeLorean. And that's when we get the credits. And uh, I, I think this uh, scene where we go into 2015 with the flying cars, I mean, future movies are so hard to pull off because you never know what's going to happen. And this movie, I think, is just wanted to make – not really make fun but have fun in regards to the future. Well, uh, well with the future, you know, uh, like they decided, you know, because with futures, you know, like basically most future movies are those dark futures. And uh, – and, and and you know you always overestimate because you can never be right. So then they decided to make everything a joke, you know, with the hoverboards and the jackets and the cafe eighties, which was funny. Right. And, um, and so. it's funny, Michael Jackson. Who would have known he was gonna die and become a big idolized yeah. person that he is, right? So they got that right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was funny. I love the Pepsi. Now, of course, all the kids wanted the Nikes. Uh, they wanted the hoverboard. The hoverboard was a big joke. It was a big, you know, the director said, yeah, they're real because he would think no one would be stupid enough to believe them. But uh, Nike actually, I believe, last year did come out with those shoes because of they the did. They did. I, and, I, and I want those shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much they cost, though. But Like 100 bucks. <laughs> nice. Um, but the cool thing is we get the whole setup where, um, you know, we, we're in the future and doc basically is telling Marty the whole purpose of why we're here. And that's to basically stop his kids from jacking up their future. Yeah. Like because basically because Marty jr. Who's played by Michael J. Fox would have gotten arrested from, from shady activities. Um, his, uh, his sister would try to break him out of prison, and then her, and then who's also played by Michael J. Fox, 
and then his sister would commit suicide, and then it would have destroyed his entire family, and just it would just it would have been crazy. Yeah. And, but but through you know Marty McFly's sheer wit and with and with hoverboard action, they're able to you know alter future history, but not before. Uh, Marty gets an idea about going back in time, you know, back to 1985 with a, a sports almanac and hopefully trying to um, win some, win a couple bets. And, you know, it's funny. Like, Doc is so against this plan, but in the first movie, he he, he says that well, maybe I'll get to see who wins, who wins the next 25 World Series. Right. But also, he's also <laughs> against taking anything from the future, but not a problem bringing a hoverboard along because you need no, that no, in part no, three. Because so. he's going to need that. Exactly. But backing up a little bit, the, I love the Cafe 80s scene in regards to seeing how, how wimpy his son is and him. I mean, we get the, the normal number one scene of him running away from all the guys, uh, but it's just on a new take. I love that scene. Um, it's hilarious. And uh, the hoverboard looks great can't tell there's wires um i think there's oh, one no, no. bad cgi scene where they pull out the pit bull and it's trying to hover above the ground that looks a little the, the color is a little off there otherwise yeah, it's it good. is a little bit but you know it's the 80s so what do yeah you mean? it's good times um so basically after um the whole in regards to the sports almanac i love in the window how you see all the video games of Nintendo. You see Jaws, you see Jaws 2, you see uh, a television set, which is kind of a normal size TV before we got the flat screen. So I thought that was, they got that right. And Apple Computer's in there too. Yeah, Apple Computer, we got the Dust Buster. Um, got a couple cool things in there that I saw that I was like, you know, they, they actually got that pretty right just for guessing. So Yeah, good. yeah, it, 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 it's kind of funny, you know, because... There's a lot of things in this movie that that are right, like uh, the um, the TV, you know, where they you know they, they have it on the on on the on the on the wall, right? You know, because you because you can do that today too. Exactly. Um, now, when Marty actually buys the almanac, well, he gets the idea from Charles Fletcher, which is Roger Rabbit. He's an older. Yeah. Oh, older also, um, in the uh, in the antique store, there's a there's a Roger Rabbit doll. Yes, that was the other thing I was going to bring up because uh, he pl- he plays later on in the movie um, as his younger self, which we'll get to. But I, you know, ro- obviously Roger Rabbit's in it because Robert Zemeckis directed Roger Rabbit and, and yeah. it's Roger Rabbit. So I, I just love all the Jaws reference because of Steven Spielberg. We get the Roger Rabbit reference, so I love it when directors put their own crap in their own movies, kind of thing. So yeah, that's always cool. It's always it, cool. Always good times. Kind of a funny. Have you ever seen the movie Problem Child Two? Yes, I like that number. I like that better than number one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was watching that with uh, my wife because it was on Netflix, and um, Strickland plays the uh, sixth grade teacher. Nice. And um, on the um, on the um, on the the chalkboard, it says "No Slackers." Love it. Love <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. Uh, anyway, but yeah, um, he he gets the idea, and then and then Doc says, "Oh, well, we can't bring it to the future because I didn't build the time machine for this." And then um, and then he he, he he Doc sees the cops. They're arrest they're arresting not arresting Jennifer, but taking Jennifer home to because they think she's the Jennifer of the future. And um, and of and course so, Biff overhears. Uh, the the original Biff overhears everything that happens, and he gets the idea that he needs to steal the time machine, 
and uh, give the almanac to his uh, younger self because Doc threw the almanac away in the garbage. Yes, yes. And then, and then we get to see, um, you know, them bringing Jennifer home, and then we get to see the uh, the quite revolutionary um, rotoscope camera. Yes, that, that they decided to use for this movie because we've got Michael J. Fox playing three characters. You got him playing old Marty. Um, oh, actually, four characters because because you got him playing Marty Prime, and then you got him playing um, old Marty, you know, of the of 2015, and you got him playing his daughter. Marlene, and then you got him playing Marty Jr. Exactly, and the, so, in the special features, they actually say, or I should say, in the deleted scenes, they were strictly showing off in that scene of putting all of them together. Um, they cut a lot of that family dinner table scene. They just wanted to show that look what we can do. We're the first to ever do it. Look how good we're doing it, kind of thing. And and they cut that scene down a lot just because of the fact that they knew they were just showing off, and it really wasn't building the story too much. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I, I think that the technology is really, really good, and 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 once again, the makeup, um, once again, extraordinary, extraordinary yes. making. I mean, obviously, Leah Thompson will probably look better in 2015 than she does in this movie, but you know, that's besides the point. Well, I will say, I just watched Law and Order SVU today, and yeah. on the next episode. Uh, Oh, I sorry. Let me take that back. Um, I was watching. Um, yeah, I was watching Back to the Future. I should say because I just finished watching Law and Order, and that was the channel that was on. That's how I found out about Back to the Future. But uh, they were showing the new TV show that she's going to be in. How they find out at the age of 16, her daughter is not hers. That they were switched at birth. And Leah Thompson is the mother of this show, and she actually finds out her real daughter is deaf. And uh, she definitely has aged, um, but she still looks good. But she aged more in real life than she really did in the movies. But it's a, yeah. it, but she still looks good. You could tell she doesn't have any plastic surgery. She's definitely yeah, she, natural. She looks great. Her and Mary Steenburgen look awesome. Yes. Um, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that later. But um, this, basically, this scene is pivotal in regards to um, showing Marty's family because we find out that uh, this is where the whole chicken thing comes into play. They had to find a flaw in Marty. They didn't really know what kind of flaw they should have because they wanted him to still be a likable character, but they didn't want him to have a flaw that was so bad. So they decided to go with chicken. Anytime he hears the word chicken. He which, can't he, back which is which at the time was kind of a, was kind of a thing among the kids. They didn't yeah. like to call chicken. I mean, happened to me. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, nowadays it's much more worse the kind of words that are called. But you yes, know. yes. But it, but it's still the same. The same thing. They don't like to be called names. And you know, Marty basically loses it every time he 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 gets called a name. And uh, yeah, and, and and it cost him his his hand, his music career, his life. Yeah, I love I love this scene in regards to flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, basically mm. calling him a chicken if he doesn't do this and he knows he'll get fired. And when he says, "Here's my card, scan it," his boss comes on and says, "McFly!" I love that guy. He's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's funny every time he comes on. McFly. Sorry. Yeah, and I never knew what he said. Read my fox. I was Read like, what's a, fox? "What's a fox?" And then I'm like, "Oh, he means facts, not fox." Okay, I get it now. Yeah, and, and I like how there's like 50 fax machines in his house. Yeah, and obviously futuristic. They got that wrong. People aren't going to be having faxes in their house. They got smartphones. No, no, but... no, no. They got cell phones and a 
yeah. in computers and instant messaging and stuff like that. But it, it it's all it's all in good fun. I mean, obviously, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, getting back to the movie. Um, while this is going on, while Mar- old Marty is being fired, Jennifer sees it, gets the facts. Doc contacts her. He basically gets her attention. It's like 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 open the front door, use your thumb to the plate, and he gets and she gets out the door, sneaks away, um, and then she meets old Jennifer, and they pass out, and um, Biff comes back. Old Biff comes back from from wherever he was, and um, he basically uh, passes out in the street while while Marty and Doc get Jennifer into the DeLorean before going back to uh, 1985. In which Doc says one of my favorite lines in these movies, uh, time travel is just too dangerous. Better that I devote myself to studying that other great mystery of the universe, women. Exactly. Now, um, let's talk about the scene in regards to where Biff disappears. Now, um, the reason why this is kind of not talked about, because if you watch the deleted scenes, they go further. Uh, When he came back to 2015, uh, in reality, he was probably killed by Lorraine, which you'll find out what happens in the next couple of scenes. But uh, that's why he starts to fade, kind of like Marty started to fade uh, at the end of Back to the Future 1 is because he is now probably dead. But they just don't really make him fade. They just make it look like he has a heart attack because they thought if they made him fade, it would really confuse the fans. So if you watch yeah, the deleted scene, you'll see him. It just confuse the audience because, because, because I think the, the, the reveal of what was happening would have occurred too early. And they're like, why is he erasing? Exactly. I mean um, – and I think you know, in like it, it is explicitly stated by by the producer that Biff did, was probably shot by Lorraine, but it could be any multitude of scenarios. Um, a, a, a alternate Marty could have shot him. Um, exactly. He, he found out that he killed his dad, or you know, the Biff co-workers, the people who work at the uh, casino in in downtown Hill Valley, could have shot him. I mean, Biff probably pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> universe exactly and uh i love this part of the movie it's very back to the future at this point has become a very dark and gruesome movie at this point um something i think they took a risk with and i personally think they pulled it off Uh, a lot of people may not have thought so but i actually love this whole 25 30 minute section of the movie of the dark 1985 and how everything is yeah hell valley um, it's an excellent, excellent set of scenes that happened throughout. I, I think it's accomplished very well. I think, I think they got the point they, because like once they got the point that things were just not right, they decided, okay, well, okay, we, we've set up that everything's not right. Let's, um, let's just get out of here as fast as we can. They didn't linger. They spent the, the, the right amount of time in this alternate, alternate 1985 and, and as soon as they explained what was going on, they're like, "Okay, let's stop it. Let's get out of here because this is this isn't our movie. So let's just let's get out of here. We've established things are dark, things are bad. Let's just go." Exactly. And I, I think it was done just. I it was it was given the exact amount of care that it needed. It was very balanced out very well. Yes. Um, and I mean, basically, if you haven't seen this, I mean, I'm sure you have listening to this, but if you don't remember, this is basically where George McFly is dead. Biff is now Marty's dad, married to his mom. She's only doing it because he'll, f- he'll basically put the kids in jail or whatever the case may be. Biff and, is a millionaire. Um, yeah. Lynn is probably a prostitute. 
Um, and Dave is a drunk. Which, if you watch the deleted scenes. Yes. Um, um, Uncle Joey is still in jail, amazingly enough. Amazingly. <laughs> I guess that never changes between timelines. No. Um, and just everything is just in the crapper. Like everything. I mean, Strickland's crazy. The school is burned down. Um, there, there's shootouts all the time. It's just everything's in shambles. Biff's life is great. He, he, he lives like a king, but everyone else's life sucks. Yeah, Doc is uh, in a mental institution. Um, I love this scene um, in regards to uh, – oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, that, whole, that whole section, I'm just trying to think of my favorite parts. Um, well, if, if I may, one of my favorite parts was um, was uh, the uh, – what was it? The scene where, where the, the are the the is that you mom scene. I love yes yes the time around. I'm just like mom, you're so you're so big big. <laughs> yeah, which obviously yeah, that's a, a, a an, another incarnation of number one scene, which obviously we'll go on to number three. What I was gonna say is Mr. Strickland scene. I love when he's like, so you're the sob that's been stealing my newspapers, and he goes, you look like a slacker. Yes, sir, you gave me detention last week. Last week the school burnt down six, six years, years ago. ago. Oh, I but, love it. I, I get off the, you, know, you better get off my porch with your nuts intact. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he when he's well, like one, two, and you can hear Michael J. Fox like scream like a girl. I love what's it. What's going on, man? It's good. Oh, and, it's great. And then and then the drive-by shooting. Eight lead slackers. <laughs> I love it, man. That, that's probably like the highlight outside of the the family beating the crap when he goes in his house and it, it's a black family that lives there and you got a guy you got the dad with the baseball bat thinking he's trying to be with his daughter and he's destroying everything in his daughter's room and she's just going to her dresser like, "No, you just smashed this up. I can't believe it." Oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's funny, and and then you and then you got the uh, the utter shock on Marty's face when um, when Lorraine says, "Oh my gosh, it's your father!" It's like my father, my father. Yes, <laughs> I good. love the fact of um, how he um, basically confronts Biff and finds out about the almanac, and he just throws the remote into the swimming pool. And it's just like, we got a little matter to discuss. If it's money, you ain't getting it. No, it's not money. Grays, sports, sports almanac. Oh, it, yeah, it's good it. times. It's good times. I mean, and, and then, and then you know, you had the, the whole scene where, you know, they outsmart Biff with the DeLorean. And it was cool. It was cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not going to believe this, Doc. We got to go back to 1955. I don't believe it. <laughs> This is my favorite part of the movie, going back to 1955. Oh, yeah. Because the whole – everything is – you get number one all over again. Um, If you didn't like the dark part of the movie, you got your back to the the future type of feel. But most of all, a lot of these scenes had to be recreated, and they're recreated like they're taken right from the first one. You can't even tell like the lines are – just their facial expressions are exactly the same as they were. I'm not sure if they were pulled right from the movie or if they recreate all of them, but like some scenes were pulled that they had that they could do, um, but obviously you know they couldn't get Crispin Glover to do his scenes from this movie, so they used some stock footage for, from him for this movie, and um, but but a lot of times it was Jeffrey Wiseman who is who was hired to replace 
George McFly for the for the future scenes and for the um and for for these scenes. But but yeah, it was done flawlessly. Um, you had one new scene where where Lorraine says, "When I have kids, I'm gonna let them do whatever I want." And Marty says, I wish I could have that in writing. And that wasn't in the first movie, so I thought that was kind of odd. Exactly. But anyway, um, but yeah, it was done really, really well. And they even veer off a little bit when dealing with Biff in, in the almanac. Yeah, where um, he has a whole scene where he thinks it's uh, Mr. Strickland has the almanac. And I love this scene uh, in Mr. Strickland's office, and he gets his hand smashed, and he doesn't scream. Yeah. Um, excellent. And then when he finds out that uh, almanac isn't the almanac, it's a, it's a Ooh La La magazine, then he sees the scene from number one where George is going to take out Biff. Uh, you get to see it from his, another I like that because Marty didn't really get to see that, that entire – Thing. He got exactly. the tail end of it because he was stuck in the back of uh, of the of the band, the band's car. Right, and I love the line of "talk about deja vu." So good time. Yeah. The Johnny B. Good scene, obviously, that I told you before, that's my favorite from the first one. But now I love it even more because this whole, I mean, number one, I could tell he redid this Johnny B. Good scene just because he moved differently than he did before. Cause I like had that scene memorized, but I just love how he's able, how they pull the camera work off. Uh, it was flawless. It's yeah. It's amazing. Like very few movies are able to go back into the, in, in like in a sequel, go back into their first movie. And I think back to the future part two did it explicitly well and just did a wonderful job with it. And, and you know they were gonna add add some new stuff, and like I said, with the use of some stock footage, they were able to you know recreate the first movie, and you know I sound like a broken record, but it was just done really really well. Right, I agree. Um, when uh, Marty um, gets done with Johnny B. Good, because basically the reason why he has to, um, why he's at the Johnny B. Good scene is the guys are gonna take out the original Marty, and as Doc says, if that happens. The whole world is – you're done for because it messes up what originally happened and you won't get back. And he's like, we'll have a major paradox. And that's why Marty has to take out the guys that are going to take out the original Marty from Back to the Future 1. And that – it, it kind of gives an intensity like is he going to pull it off? He has to pull it off, but how is he going to pull it off? Um, it was great tension in that scene I believe. So. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the moment where he where, where he gets out of there and – and why didn't he leave? <laughs> oh yeah, where he watches himself. I love the scene where he gets hit with the door. I love that. It's hilarious. Oh it's- yeah, it's hilarious because you got Biff like, what the heck's going on? And then you got Marty who's just like knocked out cold. Yeah, you stealing my stuff? Kicks him in the stomach. Uh, and that's for my car. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention we actually find out what really happened. With Biff's car, um, we kind of skipped over that in regards to a little earlier in the film. I love how you actually find out how much it costed, like what what actually went down with that, and why he was so mad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the scene, I, we totally skipped over the scene with old Biff and young Biff. Oh, classic. And that was that was done so well. I mean, like 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 this new technology that they were able to have. They were able to have you know Tom Wilson in a scene. And and Tom Wilson in a scene with himself, it was really really well done. I mean, just like like this camera that they that they got for for this that they were able to pull this off, where you have old Biff on one side of the car, and um and um and young Biff on the other side of the car. It was really well done. 
Yeah, I um, if you watch the Back to the Future, the original trilogy DVD set, they have a frequently asked questions. And one question which I thought was interesting is why isn't Biff didn't pass out from seeing himself whereas everybody else does or why wasn't there a paradox? Basically because Biff is stupid and doesn't realize who that is, which is yeah. why he can have a conversation with himself. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, um, you know, because old Biff Clem claimed, claimed he was a distant relative and he's like, I don't see a resemblance yeah. Uh, if, if why don't you make like a tree, get out of here, slap him in the head. It's leave, you idiot, leave. You sound like a damn fool when you get it wrong. Oh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. But, but that was good. That was a good scene. But yeah, Biff knocks him out cold, cold, gets away with the almanac. Um, um. Also, a little bit of, uh, of info. Doc's um, time display has been uh, shortened out a little bit and keeps saying January first, eighteen eighty-five. Just saying. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Now. I know, I know, we're trying to do as much info in this movie, but skip at the same time. But, but as soon as they get to 1955, I love the line that Marty says, "Doc, I feel like I was just here yesterday, but you were, Marty, you were." And that whole scene, Christopher Lloyd steals this with his facial expressions, where they're running up and down the road, and he goes, "There are now two of me here, and there are now two of you here." And then he just does this whole dialogue scene where he's and Marty and Marty looks at the camera and Doc looks at the camera and then they look down at the ground. I that scene is I love it. It's hilarious. I don't know. I don't know why Doc's running up and down. Is he like just so freaking nervous or something? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's his OCD. Kid. I gotta go to the bathroom, Marty. Yeah, I, and that's why he's running because he's like. Why am I running? Why is he running? Okay, whatever. And I just love he pulls out all the money and he's got like, man, thousands of dollars in every type of year. From, from every type of year. It, it, it makes you think that this isn't the first time he's been doing some time travel. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but getting back to after uh, Biff takes back the almanac, we get a great scene of where – okay, this is my probably my only problem with the film is the Marty in the back of Biff's car. Uh, how could Biff – I know he's dumb. How could you seriously not hear some guy in a walkie-talkie who's less than a foot behind you? I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but that's not where we are. We're at the scene where, where, they're, where the flying the DeLorean is up above the, uh, um, his Ford car, which apparently would, would rip through the DeLorean like, like they were tinfoil. Right, exactly. Well, he was in the car earlier. When yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know that, and that's. I'm, I think that's just a nitpick. Yeah. Oh, it is. I just thought it. I'm like, man, he must really be dumb. Well, uh, this is dumb. <laughs> I know. It, it's it's funny, but I, I think this scene is great where he tries to uh, secretly get the almanac, and that's where Biff actually checks out. He hears a score on the radio, and he's like, "Wow, this thing is really real," and of course, puts it down. And uh, Marty trying to get the almanac back. Get a good good action scene here. I mean, you could tell it's a stunt guy. Uh, that was kind of bad camera work there. I mean, obviously, Michael J. Fox doesn't do his own stunts, but overall, it was a really good scene of how he got the almanac back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, he he got the almanac back, and then they and it was really cool chase scene, and they actually used the same tunnel in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Nice. Um, did you see the wire on the hoverboard? Because I did. I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I did. Um, when you have a flat screen TV now, and you watch it, you can see like for example when Doc takes off to get Marty, and the the um, flags are hanging from the tire you can see the the two different colors of black the black around the delorean and the black in the sky how they uh you know how they put that there so on a flat screen seeing that scene you can see that's the really bad 
mistake of the movie. I'm like, ooh, that looks really bad in the special effect. But back on the old school TVs, it all blends in. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was made for old school TVs, so right, exactly. Um, but anyway, um, but then they they burn the almanac. Everything is good, and then lightning strikes because it's you know the lightning storm, and the, and lightning strikes the DeLorean, and it, and, it, and it disappears. Now this scene, if they recreated it, because you know they had to with Marty. I think what they did is they put the whole, the whole stock footage in, and right until um, when Doc wakes up and then he goes screaming down the road. I think that's the only thing that was refilmed because everything is flawless. Wait, wait, wait. We're um jumping ahead here. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I hadn't even got to the scene with the Western Union, and Western Union pops up and says, "No, no, got- I'm not talking about the Western oh. Union. I'm talking about when." Uh, oh yeah. Okay. You yeah, you're right. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Get way ahead of yourself. Yeah. Um, all right. Western Union shows up and says that he's got a letter for him, and Marty reads it. It's from Doc. He the the, the DeLorean gets struck by lightning and sent him back to 1885, and he realizes that he's stuck here and that only one man can help him. So he so then he um goes to the one man who can help him, the 1955 Doc Brown, and yeah. It, it was a mixture of both stock footage. It was stock footage up until um, Doc runs up and down the street. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was. Yeah, saying. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, I right, just get the little head. I love that scene. I yeah. love that scene. Can we say supernatural frontier land? Anybody? Just saying. Yeah, love it. <laughs> if you haven't seen that episode, you gotta check it out, folks. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, I I love that. Um, I'm like that's flawless. Um, it, it was great. Um, that, that Western Union scene, um, I can't get enough of it. It's just great. The guy that got to play the Western Union guy was funny. Yeah, and the first movie I ever saw him in was uh, uh, Sesame Street, uh, Follow That Bird. He was the bad guy that kidnapped uh, Big Bird. He was also in Happy Gilmore. Yes, he's the guy who always said jackass. I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, in, in the Sesame Street movie, he, he he gets pulled over by John Candy, and he's like, "Be a man! I don't want to be a man." Nice. <laughs> so I love that movie. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I, I do actually remember it. The the memory. I watched it. I watched it with um with some kids that I was babysitting recently, and it was it, it still holds up. And 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 you know how with Sesame Street, Elmo's everywhere. Yes. Elmo's in like two scenes in that movie. Love it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, tang- yeah. Don't want to tangent off too far. But, but. <laughs> so, in regards to Back to Future Two, how many stars would you give it? Um, I give it a four. I mean, it, it it's a good sequel. Yes. Um, not as good as the first one, but still good. And there's still a lot. It's just it's still a great story. It's a very much a transitionary film between one and three. And it's just like 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 moving like moving the story along. It's very plot driven a lot of it, and but but I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that it is right. And, and it's a really good film. I really really like it. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, it's a great addition to the trilogy, and it's very very it's a very very it's more sci-fi than the other two. So yeah, uh, I already said that number two is my favorite, even though I know number one is pretty much a flawless film. I, we both gave number one five stars. I also give number two um, four stars. I drop it a star, even though it's my favorite. I, I consider it three films in one, 2015, 1985, uh-huh. and 1955. Um, I do recognize um, because of that dark part in the middle of the movie – 
it kind of drags you down. And even though I find it the most intriguing and I love it, I can see where the funness of the first one is constantly there. You're you're 100% intrigued. You're you're enjoying yourself versus number two. Um, you get to certain points where you're like, I'm I'm along for the ride. I'm not so much along for the ride. I'm back on for the ride, which is why I overall dropped. I, 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 I think with the dark part of the movie, you're just you're like you have you're so disoriented and you have no idea what's going on. Exactly. And, 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 I, and I think I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's fine, but it's yeah. just, I, I think that's what it is. It's just like you're so disoriented, and you just and you're just you're trying to you know see where the puzzle pieces kind of line up, and but, but once you do see where the puzzle pieces are kind of kind of line up, you're like, oh, okay, you can relax now. Exactly. So why don't we go ahead and get into Back to the Future Part Three? From out of the All west, right. in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty Chris Scott. Oh, this is heavy. And this summer, Marty and Doc go back one more time for their greatest adventure of all. Doc's living in the past. Don't try it, Tanner! But he's about to be history. What kind of a future do you call that? I'm going back to 1885 and I'm bringing you home. It's the last roundup. It's the final showdown. Hey, lighten up, jerk. Where Marty makes a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? Doc meets his mate. You saved my life. I'm a proud of your service. And Tannen meets his match. I'll hunt you and shoot you down like a duck. Dog, Buford. Shoot him down like a dog. Michael J. Fox. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? 7-Eleven. Christopher Lloyd. There's a fella that can't hold his liquor. And Mary Steenburgen. I never ever met a man like you before. <clears throat> Gentlemen, excuse me, but my friend and I have to catch the train. This summer, Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you... Come on, Marty! ...to the Rough Rider. Rip Roar. Rootin' Tootin'. Straight Shootin'. It's a hold up! It's a science experiment! Rousing conclusion of... Back to the Future. Let the festivities begin! Back to the Future, Part 3. Okay, sir. Um, let me start off by saying that um, for I would say I am I'm 31, and I have seen this movie when I was about nine. And number three was always my least favorite of the series. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say since for this podcast, uh, I have a whole new respect for number three. And and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do actually thoroughly enjoy this movie a lot more now than I ever did before. I think before I would give it like maybe three stars. And right off the bat, I'm just going to put it out there, I give it four and a half right off the bat um, after seeing it all over. And uh, But I will obviously go into it. But I just wanted to say that this was always my least favorite. And the reason why is my dad was a huge John Wayne fan. Um, always watch westerns. Kind of shoved down your throat a little bit. Exactly. So when back to, when I found out Back to Future Three was going to the Wild Wild West, I was like, oh man, this sucks. 
But after watching it as an adult now and getting it, it's such number one, this is Doc's movie. This isn't Marty's movie. Yeah. Um, so that changes everything. Number two, it's very light. Lighthearted like the first one. Yeah, um, it's it's very fun. It's very fun. Like, like you got the you you got the, the thing where he's trying to save Doc from being shot in shot in the back, and that's kind of a, a little bit of a dark element. But other than um, other than that, and it's no different than than trying to prevent Marty from you know from you know, not to prevent, but trying to help him be born and stuff. And it still works. It's fun. You got a lot of those western homages because there's like in the bar scene, like a lot of the. Uh, the, the old fogies are character actors from from western movies that that even i i recognize like um the one that that, that stands out is that that old geezer who says everybody everywhere will say when eastwood was the, the biggest lo- yellow belly in the west <laughs> yeah i love that guy i know um harry carey's son uh is one of the other guys yeah uh, yeah yeah he's good and, times and and, the, and, the, and the, i love the bartender um, the bartender's awesome. Uh, I, I don't remember his name. Oh, Chester. Chester. Yeah. Um, I love that guy. He's so cool. <laughs> Good times. Let's get some wake-up juice. So um, the movie picks up exactly where number two left off, which which is a good thing. Um, I do I do like the scene, this whole the whole beginning sequence of the film. I really really enjoy because almost in a sense it seems like Doc isn't. I wouldn't say he's not as smart as he was in the other two, but he just seems he's kind of in shock for the first 20 minutes of the movie. So his intelligence isn't as um, out there as it was well, in the first. Do you blame him? No, I don't. I, I, don't. I just I, li- <laughs> I like I like this different version of Doc. I, I don't know why. It's just he seems more lighthearted, more like he listens more. You know, I think that's what they were trying to convey because I think that because uh, a lot of Back to the Future Part Two is dark because of what they're trying to do um, in the movie, and and I think I think they wanted to do something that was more along the lines of the first movie, and that's why I think I mean on the movie as a whole, I think that's what what they were trying to do, and and that's why um, why the movie is so much lighthearted, and I think that applies to. I guess this version of the dog. I never noticed it personally, but you know, because 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 I don't blame the guy because he saw a, a kid who knows him from the future just disappear in a in, in DeLorean in a, in a in a flash of fire, and then ten like not even not even a minute later, uh, the same kid says, "Hey, Doc, it's me. I'm back from the future." He's like, "Oh crap." I know. I just sent you back to the future. I know, Doc, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. Great, Scott. Yeah, and- and you know, and, and and he hit his head. He's home. He doesn't know how he got there, and um, and then finally he convinces him, and um, and I, I don't blame him. And you know, the letter is great. It's awesome. Yes, I, I love it. The I, now Einstein. I'm like, dude, Einstein lived a long time, but obviously it's a different dog that just looks like Einstein. Um, so I, that took at first I didn't get it as a kid. I'm like, wow, Einstein, he sure lived a long time, but obviously I always thought it was the same dog, and that you know he kind of uh, I, I looked up to Copernicus and um and 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 then like well he liked Einstein, so he decided to change the name of the dog. <laughs> right, but dogs don't live that wouldn't live that long. From, that's true. That's true. I never even thought of that. Never even gave it two seconds thought. Yeah, because Einstein sure ain't no old mutt that can't walk. I mean, he was pretty fast in Back to the Future One. That's I mean, true. That's true. Einstein's probably ten years old 
in Back to the Future 1. So there's no way that he lived this long and still looks that good. I'm just saying. So. Right, right, right. Well, you know. But yeah, I'm overall, um, the beginning, how the time, how basically this reminds me of frequency i mean i know frequency got this from back to the future 3 but i think frequency perfected it in regards to the wallet uh being put inside a bench and it's there 30 years later um this is where doc hides the car and they find the car and it's all wrapped up and everything i i love this scene but i think frequency did that part better yes yes they did there's actually a deleted scene that that's not on the deleted scenes on the dvd or the blu-ray where um, the tires are actually corroded. Nice. And and that's why um, the DeLorean has those those 50s kind of tires when it goes back to 1885. I hate the way the DeLorean looks in this movie. I really do. I can't stand it. I know it's supposed yeah. to be 50s tires and stuff, but yeah. it, it yeah, just... I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'll, my favorite DeLorean is... Uh, there's a tie between the one in one and the one in two. Yeah, it's like taking Kit from Knight Rider and giving him red wheels or something. It just doesn't look right, and that's or, how I feel with this. Or, 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 or making Kit from Knight Rider a Transformer. Right, right. I, <laughs> we could get into that later, but, uh, <laughs> you know. It's, d- yeah, it, it's all good in the hood. Or taking the General Lee and making it purple. just doesn't work. You yeah, know? It's just wrong. I and mean, it's, obviously, it's not that. Don't extreme. Ever say that again, man. Don't ever say that again. Yeah, I know that that'd be horrible. And it's funny that actually was an accident. That color to the General Lee. Um, it was supposed to be uh, like yellow, and someone accidentally threw that paint on. And then when they saw it, they're like, "Oh, that's the car that we. That's the color we want." So that was an accident that actually worked. So that's cool. That's cool. Good times. So in regards to the movie, um, we find out that Doc Brown is going to get killed by um, basically Biff. Uh, but it's his, uh, it's Buford Mad Dog Tannen. It's basically his great, great grandfather. Yes. And, uh, we know this because good old Einstein, or if you want to say Einstein's younger brother or whatever, um, he sits on Doc's grave and this is how Marty freaks out and Doc's like, you look like you just seen a ghost. He goes, you're not far off, Doc. And he goes, shot in the back by Buford Tannen over a matter of $80. What kind of future do you call that? I love that scene where his face is just like all crazy. I love it. We're back to the mad scientist Doc at that point. So Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we learn a little bit about Doc's family history is that you know his family came over during the First World War, originally called the Von Braun's. And there were no there were no Emmett Browns in 1885, and then we, we learned that you know through through I don't know how these pictures got into the library, but there's a picture of Doc in front of the uh, in front of the, in front of the clock, um, and lots of other pictures of Doc. And then then Marty resolves to go back to 1885 and bring Doc home before Buford Danning can do the deed. Yes, and that's the same exact picture that'll be taken later in the movie, but with Marty in it. So um, basically, we get the whole um, Doc gives Marty some Western clothes that looks retarded, I would say, um, and uh, he's like, Clint Eastwood never wore anything like this. He goes, "Who's Clint Eastwood? Oh yeah, you don't know about him right now." And uh, Doc yells at him for wearing Nikes. He goes, "You're not even supposed to wear that in this time. How are you supposed to wear it back then?" He goes, "I promise I'll change, Doc." So I do love where he talks about I'm going to crash into those Indians because you have to I think fourth dimensionally. Do what? I'm Marshall Clint Eastwood. Yes. He's Walker. He's yes. a Texas Ranger. Yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. More supernatural <laughs> reference, people, if you can tell. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when uh, 
when Marty gets to uh, the Wild Wild West, he crashes into Indians. And uh, what do you think? Stop of, the cavalry. Yeah. What do you think of this scene in regards to the arrow hit in the fuel? Kind of sucks, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. You would. You wouldn't think about it if it if it was you. You just pull the arrow out. You wouldn't think, oh, maybe I should leave the arrow in. You always kind of like you know in the movies where someone gets stabbed, they always think taking the knife out will help. In fact, it makes it worse because you now you know the wound is exposed and now blood's dripping out. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, and, and, and you lose blood faster, and then you're gonna die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's something interesting, is um, there are now two DeLoreans in uh, in 1985. Okay. Um, well, there's the there's the one that Marty parks in the uh, in the um, in, in the cave. Right. And the one that's already parked there that was parked by Doc. I, 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 am I confusing you? No, I think I got it. I'm just wondering. Okay, okay, okay. Doc so, hasn't. Doc's. Has Doc officially buried the DeLorean at this point? Yes, he has. He has. Right. Because it was because they sent him back to 1885 one, like, I think six or seven days after he wrote the letter, because he wrote the letter in September 1st, 1885. They sent him, like, I think September 7th or 8th in 1885. Right. And so Marty, Doc has already buried the DeLorean for Marty, thinking Marty's not going to come after him. But but Marty has come after him, so now he's parking that DeLorean. So now there's two DeLoreans in the um, in uh, 1885. Nice, yeah, I never realized that, but that that's good uh, good thought there, sir. Wait, 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 which makes you wonder why not take the gas from that DeLorean? But the doc already said he drained all that. Yeah, he drained all the fuel from that because you couldn't let a car sit there um, that many years. They already explained that in the letter. Because even Marty said that. He goes, well, uh, why do we need all this? He goes, well, you drain all that stuff because you can't let a car sit there because it will rot out and none of it will work anyways. So he didn't have fuel in the car. So it wouldn't have worked anyways, which is why they probably never brought that up because they already thought of that. So I'm just bringing that up for for the listening audience if they were wondering. Right. But no, just now you saying that, I never thought about it. But then when you analyze it, that's probably someone did bring that up and they said the same thing that we did. You couldn't pull it off because we said it earlier that we took it off. You know, I mean, they're tight in their writing. I mean, they really are. They really are. And they they really consider all possibilities and and stuff. So and so then we've got, um, you know, the bear. He, He tries to Martin tries to put on his boots that are gosh awful. Yes. And then he um he he throws hit them and his hat at the bear and then he trips and lands in the McFly farm. Which this scene is great in regards to Michael J. Fox hits his head, which man, he hits his head a lot. But he hits his head and immediately is slapped in the face by himself. That camera, that that shot is like looks flawless. Whether it's two shots or not, it looks like it one continuous shot and you know it's Michael J. Fox because he picks his head up and it's his face. So I love that scene. I thought it was great. Yeah, that that was really, really cool. I mean I, I think they really did a good job with ha- having both hey, Michael J. Foxes in in this scene. So Yeah. Now they were saying how Leah Thompson doesn't fit in regards to being a number three. And they said they were not I gonna make it back to the future without Leah Thompson. So and most men will marry uh someone that reminds them of their mom type of thing is what they say and frequently ask questions, which is why they threw Leah Thompson in this movie, um, you know, that that kind of philosophy. So it, it, it works for me that, that all the McFly men are attracted to, to, to people that, that look like Leah Thompson. Because if you think about it, both actresses that play uh, Jennifer resemble Leah Thompson in a way. 
Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, they do. So yeah, I, I don't have any complaints. I think she's great. Her accent she does is really good. She's believable. Michael J. Fox pulls off I didn't think he could pull off he didn't pull off his uh daughter too well in number two, but he does pull off being an older version, you know, like a western version of himself. I thought he did really good. Yeah, I thought he did fine. I thought he did fine. And um Seamus McFly who's who who's um his great 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 grandfather says that he that he'll send him into town with a hat and help him find his blacksmith friend that he's looking for. Yeah. And, and then he heads into town the next day, and um, and, he, and they, we have the same scene where he he's looking around town and and everything's di- everything's way different. They're building the courthouse, which is going to have the clock on it, and um, he goes into the uh, the saloon, and um, and he's like, um, I'll have some uh, some water. He's like water. You want water? You dick your head in a horse trough. Here, we drink whiskey. And of course, it's like smoking. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's like burning the table. Yeah, and uh, I love um, how we get the normal, you know, hey McFly scene from the cafeteria, and then the cafe eighties, and now we get the bar scene. So, and I think there's there's always two scenes they repeat, which is always the chase scene, and then the mom, you know, you're my you're my mom, you know. And I always think that the chase scenes always work the best out of the repeats of the movies. Um, I, I, this one was a little different because it, it ended in kind of a grim way. Yeah, it did. They and did you know, change it up. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, because in the first two movies, I mean, it was a grim way when you know when Mario was about to get his head, you know, knocked off. But you know, it still ended like happily with the like the bad guys kind of crashing into the into the mall. Right. So, but, but but this one was was really good, and 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 you know he's he's about to get hanged. They're about to kill him. And now, before we get to the hanging, when they're when they're taking him and dragging him around, do you honestly think that he wouldn't be as cut up? Like, I know his pants are ripped, but I would think that if that was really happening to somebody, you would be tore up. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, his clothes would have been torn to pieces. Yeah. And, and not only that, he's trying to keep his head up. He's probably hitting pebbles and rocks, and his face would be like um, just – you know, like Dean, like, like Dean at the end of season five. Yeah, I agree. I that was the, I would say that's maybe my one or two small complaint. I mean, yeah, when you're watching for the first time, you don't realize that. But after continuous viewings, you're kind of like, man, I don't think that that would really. I mean, granted, this is a future movie. I'm just saying, if this really yeah. was happening in real that life, an '80s flex. They don't they don't think about that. Too yeah, much. they. I mean, with all the tight writing, you would think a scene like that. They would kind of mess up Marty a little bit more than he really was. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's, it's fine. But then there, the, 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 Buford says, "We got ourselves a courthouse. High time we had a hanging." And then, and they they start to hang out. And then Doc has like the super sweet uh, shotgun rifle with the scope. I love it. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Doc at this point is no longer the crazy scientist. He is the the BA Clint Eastwood at this point. Yeah, well, he's the BA Clint Eastwood. He's got a nice reputation in the town, and, and, which is probably kind of refreshing for for Doc. You know, he because you, know, you know in 1985 he kind of has the reputation of you know the crackpot scientist, uh, the, the the wacko in town. But here he's he's respected. Everybody likes him. Um, like the like the only thing that was questionable in, in with him at this point 
Well, it, it was the fact that at the, around the 4th of July, he had a messy incident with uh, with whiskey. Right, exactly. And yeah, I think I like this. Like I said, this is Doc's movie. Marty takes the back seat, which is, I mean, Marty's had two movies to himself. It only makes sense for Doc to have his own, kind of like Karate Kid. Mr. Miyagi gets his own story in Karate Kid 2. Um, so I, I think the balance works perfect here. He gets a new, uh, you know, he's definitely different than the way he was in the beginning. He's more confused. In this one, he's very confident in himself. He has the occasional, uh, you know, funny looks that he's been doing, but for the most part, he's very cool, calm, collective. He's very confident in himself in the wild, wild west. And I think that's because he always wanted to go to the wild west. And I think he actually feels, you know, he feels at home, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, like he he definitely feels like that's where he belongs, and you know, I I think I think because throughout the whole movie he's he he he's very confident. He he rarely rarely does the or the yeah you know, that you know that that he's been doing in the first two movies. I, and I you know until you brought that up, I never noticed it because because it's just, it's just a, a nice pleasing evolution of the character it just it just works yeah character and obviously the ultimate payoff is the is towards the end of the film in regards to marty always saying this is heavy and a doc says great scott and they switch lines i mean that's the ultimate payoff you get to these two characters is that they're so close that they switch line they're they're two most famous lines you know i i love that character development and this series does really good in character development i really do yeah, and uh, here in the movie, um, <clears throat> Marty gets a, a clothes upheaval finally, um, and he, he he gets a change of clothes, and Doc has an iced tea kind of thing, and um, he's like, "All right, let's uh, get the DeLorean back to the future," and Marty's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna have to pick up some gas." I'm like, "Like really? I mean, like, are, are you think you think there's a gas station in the Wild West, Marty?" Yeah, not not too smart on Marty's part, but I mean, we wouldn't have a movie if uh, if that didn't happen, obviously. So, uh, of course not. But I just think I just think he realizes like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I tore a gas leak on the way over here. I'm we're, we're gonna need to patch it up and, and get some gas. Um, and, you know, and where it's revealed that you know that you know we need gas to get the DeLorean to work because um, it's like even though we have Mister Fusion, which powers the flux capacitor. The the internal combustion engine runs on regular unleaded gasoline and always has. Yes, good. So, it's good times. They're screwed. They need gas to to get the DeLorean to 88 miles per hour because without the gas, there's you know, the car just doesn't work. I mean, yeah. and, and I thought that was a nice twist that they decided to do. Like it wasn't like this like really big thing they needed like plutonium or lightning. It was just gas. Something they simple, needed, exactly. Something simple. That you know they wouldn't have in this time, and uh, I like how they try different theories. You know, p- put you know with the horses and everything. Um, I I thought that was kind of trial and error. You know, yeah. um, and then they finally realize they need they need a train. Yeah. To pull they, it off. They they use a train to push it to, to, to 88 miles per hour. And of and course they they get the details by asking the you know the guy that runs the train. Could yeah. you actually pull this off? And they're like, if you can get this hotter than the blazes of hell itself, yeah, you could get it to 88 miles an hour. So I, I thought that was good. And of course, we get the uh, the introduction of uh, Doc's woman. Oh, I love Doc's woman. Yes, Mary Steenburgen was was a was a fine was a fine addition to the cast. She 
has great chemistry with Christopher Lloyd. They'd worked in a, in a film prior to this. I don't remember what it was, but they'd worked in a film prior to this, so she was very familiar with with Christopher Lloyd, uh, his acting style, and how to work with him. And I think they did well. But not. But and I love the character. I think it was a great, like I said, a great addition to to the cast. Yeah, this is the point where Doc is really mad at himself for making the time machine because he basically alters history. Because, he alters history because, you know, he saves Clara's life. Yeah, and if, if you notice when they're looking at the map to figure out how they're going to do this train, you see her in the background waiting for her um, for her ride that never showed Doc. up. Doc. Yeah, Doc. Doc was supposed to show up and pick her up, but instead he's on the other side now that Marty's there. Marty's now changed reality. So it's a it's a nice twist. If you look in the background, you'll kind of put that together that, look, you know, if the future is changing as we speak, you know, and you, you notice that on, on multiple viewings. But I yeah. kind of noticed that the second time around. I'm like, hey, look, there she is. She's sitting right there waiting for Doc. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice the first time around, but I, but I did notice it after it was pointed out to me. Yeah. And, um, so Marty has has basically like butterfly affected everything. Exactly. Which that's well, an excellent movie, I might say. So. Yes, but but not only that, I, I think Doc was gonna was gonna meet Clara anyway, because he did because in the original timeline he did show up to uh, pick Clara up and he fell in love with her there. Right. So, but basically, Doc was the one that screwed up because you know he because the time machine shorted out. And he got sent back to 1885. So basically, he changed history. So yeah, he Doc's feeling some major tinges of, of, of remorse about this whole thing. So because because the ravine was you know in 1885 was called Shonash Ravine, which was the Indian name for it. But in, in 1985, it's called Clayton Ravine because Clara fell down it. Be, and, and Marty only remembers the story because. Because he he has like a dozen teachers that he'd love to see fall into the ravine. Exactly. And um, but then at the end of the movie it becomes Eastwood Ravine, named after Marty's alias in 1885. Yep. Um, and I like the whole uh, Marty looks like Clint Eastwood. Um, you know, I I just I think it fits. You know, it. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And uh, so basically, after Doc and you kind of see. You know, Marty said, love, you, love strikes. You know, it's love at first sight. He goes, "What? that would never happen. I don't believe in that. And, of course, it does. You actually see it on screen. And I always love how Marty's always in the background, you know, doing the, <clears throat> you know, type of thing to get their eyes off each other. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, see, I, I like that a lot. It, yeah, I, I like the role reversal where, where you know, Doc is the one thinking with, thinking with his heart instead of his brain. You know, where, and Marty is, is, is being all science-based and – Trying to think, well, we we, we got to do this. We got to get back to the future. You can't get involved. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. But in the meantime, he is also using his heart instead of his head with what happens um, um, later in the movie. Because you know, because Clara comes over, and like after they do the um, the railroad. Uh, model scene which i which, love which that's role reversal right there because they did that in the first one when mom when when marty's mom came instead now it's doc's woman coming over so that that's the exact same scene as number one but done differently and i i love that i love that scene it's great. yeah and and, and marty goes <clears throat> when 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 they're having a moment yes and, uh and she, she she's he's like and she's like well you guys come into the festival tomorrow evening 
because you know I wouldn't dream having you work on my telescope during during that time. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll, yeah, I'll be there. And Marty's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's good and, times. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And but then in that whole event, Doc gets to um, dance with Clara, and which totally throws Marty for a loop. He's like, Doc, Doc can dance. Dance. And ZZ Top works perfect in this scene because of their the style of the way they look and the music they did. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's good times that uh, that they got ZZ Top to do uh, to do the whole dance scene. So I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was really, really good. And then um, Marty does the uh, the the crack shot thing that they set up in the beginning of part two. Yes. With the with the with video. little with the little Elijah Wood, uh, little tiny yeah. Elijah Wood saying that's a baby's toy, you know. And, and you know what's funny about that? They add that's something um, for the future, you know, going back to part two for a second that they actually got right. Exactly. Because how many video game systems do we have now that you hardly have to use your um you you don't have to use the buttons anymore? You know, between the Wii, the Xbox 360 Connect. Which is all hands, you know, like you don't even have to use a controller for that sucker. And the PlayStation Move, I mean, this is the way that video games are kind of moving. And I, and I think that that they kind of uh, they kind of made a joke about that in Back to the Future Part Two. And now look where we are with video games. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I'll take a controller any day though because I'm too afraid I'm going to throw the thing in my TV and I'll need to buy a new one. So I'll stick with my controllers because I know they're safer. But I totally get what you're saying. It's, it's... I, I hear you there, sir. I hear you there. Sir. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that something that I thought was cool. No, that, that's a very good, excellent point. I, I highly agree with you. And I, to be honest with you, I never would have thought of that myself until you brought it up. So. Yeah, well, it, well it's, it's just something that I noticed when I was watching Part 2 recently. So. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, um, Marty's a crack shot at the, um, at the, uh, cult, um, salesman's booth and, <laughs> and he hits everyone and, uh, well, he misses the first shot and then he's like, can I try that again? And takes them all out. And the guy's just like, where'd you learn to shoot like that? Seven on love, love it. <laughs> uh, I love the Frisbee scene. Um, that big old pie Frisbee. I, far I, out. It's great. Uh, obviously, Marty's got really good aim to be able to knock Buford Tannen's gun because this is the point where Buford is going to shoot Doc in the back because he knows that one little tiny bullet will basically – he'll die in three days later. So uh, Marty at this point has changed Doc getting killed just by a simple Frisbee. Uh, but, but at the same time – Puts because, it on him. Because of um, Marty's uh, weakness or his flaw – and because um, um, and Mad Dog calls him yellow, he gets that that fate placed on himself. Yes. Well, he's going to die on Monday. Yeah, and I think at this point we're kind of back to now we're at Marty's movie, but only for a little bit. You know, for I the mean, most part, we're, we're it's back Marty's to Marty's movie, but they have to give him something to do they, because they set up this flaw that he has, so they gotta have him conquer it. So I mean, that's why I felt like they did that. Yeah, it, yeah, it brings resolution because we'll get to that at the end. Um, but I, I love how Seamus basically says how his brother Marty McFly let people—he basically died because of the fact of people call him chicken and he wouldn't back down. And I think at that point, that's what stops Marty at the very end of the movie from doing what he was going to do, which we'll get into that in a minute. But I think that that speech there really helped him. 
Yeah, because he's just like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be. Well, it's not only that, but but you know, like, oh, well, before we get to that, um, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But we have in the next scene after that, um, Christopher Lloyd's first and last on-screen kiss. Yeah, which you don't even see, man. They put the camera so far above his head. I mean, I know they wanted to get the shooting star, but he doesn't get the dues he should have got. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, 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 I hear you there, but 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 still, he did it. Yeah, he did. And um, and it, because Christopher Lloyd isn't cast in a lot of romantic movies and stuff, he doesn't get to you know do a lot of kissing. He does mostly the comedy and the you know, like. He plays the screwball characters. And he was romantic in the Dream Team. I'm sure he kissed somebody. I just can't remember who it was. <laughs> but um, but, but 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 Back to the Future Part Three was his first on-screen kiss and. You know, just before the Blu-rays came out, he did an interview with people, and he says it was my my first and my last. Yeah. Kiss. So he hasn't done any 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 kisses, any passionate romantic kisses. Exactly. So, uh, so at this point, this is kind of where Doc's fully in love, and uh, thinking about staying in the wild wild west. Yeah, he he's thinking about staying, and um um, okay, I got a question that that kind of. You know, it's kind of a little a, a, a little nitpick of mine that I that I have about this movie. Okay. Um, so, Clara and Doc do their like um like just have have a nice little r- romantic evening in um in 1885. Doc is not in his place when Marty wakes up the next morning, but he's walking around. Did um did Clara and Doc hook up? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was and that just always bothered me because because he he's with Clara that night he's not in in his place and I was just wondering if he if he hooked up I don't know if he did or if he didn't I kind of want to think that he didn't because I because like to preserve the integrity of the character and of the movie but it makes you wonder okay I'll put it to you this way uh, he may have hooked up but he definitely made love to her and then it tried to get busy that's all I'm gonna put it at that so. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. What I was gonna say is that um, if they did hook up, it was it was love making and not banging. Is all I'm gonna say. So I so mean, just just a lot of passionate kissing. Yeah. Well, if, if he did, if they did do it, it was love making. It wasn't. I want to get some kind of thing. Right. Is what, right. Is what I'm trying was, to say. Yeah, it was making love, not having sex. Yeah. That's exactly. Idea. They were making love, not having sex, and obviously. At the end of the movie, they have kids. You know, they get they get together, and it was meant to be. But I'm, during that scene, I never thought about it. But from that kiss, and they black out. I mean, that's kind of gonna, you know, lead, you know, something. Put, yeah, anyway. Exactly. So, but yeah, if anything, it was definitely love making and not sex. So let's just put I, it there. It was probably Doc Brown's first time too. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> I admit that 100%. It's definitely his first time. And it the way her character is built up, she's very. Uh, Nerdy, not nerdy, but very respectable. So if anything, it was her first time too. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's just a little nitpick I had about the movie. Yeah. Um, um, and and where we now we're we're into the part where Marty's walking into town and um and stuff and he's like, hey, Mr. Eastwood, hey, Mr. Eastwood. He's basically a local hero because he stood up to Tannen. Exactly. And um and and everyone's you know like talking to him about it and Doc's like you're not thinking about still about going uh going up against Tannen tomorrow and he's like he's like hey if he comes looking for a fight I'll be ready for him I mean you heard what he called me last night 
And that's when Doc reveals like to him that that he has an accident in the future. And and this is when Doc's kind of we see a little bit of the scientist in Doc where he doesn't tell Marty what happened to him in the future, but that just that something happened. Exactly. So and uh, he's like, you got to do what you got to do, and I got to do what I got to do. And he's uh, he's measured for his coffin for by the Undertaker. Which I thought yeah, was. good times. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, Marty tells Doc that uh, you know. Why don't you tell if you really want her if don't stay, but why not bring her with us? You know, and he's just the scientist part is saying he doesn't doesn't know if that's good. But Doc, Marty's kind of if you're in love, go for it, you know, and he's just like, like he, and Doc wants to tell him the truth, tell her the truth. He's like, he's like, she's not going to understand it, Doc. Heck, I'm in it with you and I don't even understand. It. Yeah, I, I love that line. It's good times. But yeah. basically, Doc does show up to tell her. Once and for all, you know, the, the truth. Future. I'm from the future, and I'm going tomorrow in the time machine to 1985. Yeah. And and she's just like, like, you hooked up with me, and you're telling me this crap? See, that's that's why I think they did, because ultimately her emotions are fully blown, now completely into him. So it would make perfect sense why she got hurt, because she's fully given herself to him. So it, and, and, and she's like, now you're telling me, like, and you could think, because I'm partial to the writings of Jules Verne, that you can cook up some cockamamie story like that. Like, I've heard some whoppers in my day, but at least tell me you don't love me. Yep, and slaps ah. him. Love it. So, <laughs> so good times. <laughs> So um, I do love the bar scene where basically Doc just sits there all night holding, holding the, the, the whiskey in his hand, the one single shot of whiskey, and just basically tells people about the future. I love it. He fully doesn't care about the repercussions. He's just going to tell people how it is. Yeah. It was funny. And then um, um, Doc and then Marty comes – he comes to the to the the bar, and I love I love the line. He's like, "Doc, you gotta come back with me." And Doc's like, "Where?" And he's like, "Back, back to, to the, the future." future. <laughs> love it, love I, it. I think they say that in all all the movies. They said at the end of number one, they said it in number two somewhere. I don't know an exact, but I know it was, they say it was at the it was the end of number one, beginning beginning of number two, and then the, here, yeah, and then here. Yeah, and uh, and I just I just think it's funny that Marty said Back to the Future. I thought that was funny. Yeah, um, good times. So of course and, he takes uh, the drink and passes out. Love. I it. love that, because I wouldn't have wanted to see a drunk Doc Brown. No, I, I don't think it would have worked. I mean, you could have done the he because Doc's crazy enough without alcohol in him. Exactly. And and he wouldn't have made a good angry drunk. The only good angry drunk is Castiel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's some good times. Um, but this is where uh, where Biff shows up, and uh, he has to make a decision, and that's where we get you know the line we were talking about earlier about how if you don't go out there, you know you'll be the biggest yelly belly of the West. And I just love when Marty's like he's an a hole, and I don't care what he says. That's where he finally stands up. And they give him a gun, and uh, Buford starts shooting, and then he sees the. Uh, the, the top of the stove and he gets an idea and then oh he, that pays off because that happened in number two yeah well, Marty saw that because because um because biff was watching the movie he was watching the eastwood movie fistful yep. of dollars yep and uh he and he, he he was watching that movie and you know um you know buford obviously never saw the movie so he, um, he, he gets the idea 
and um, you know he, he starts to, to, to shoot Doc down a little bit or, or getting ready to shoot Doc down and um, and uh, then Marty comes out and he he gets rid of his gun belt figure we could settle this like men and I don't, and he, he knew this was gonna happen and like you thought wrong dude yeah. <laughs> Bam, get shot right where he thought he was gonna get shot at. I loved it. So Yeah, and uh and um and then he outsmarts him and then uh and then he gives him a good punch. Uh, uh, actually three punches I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he gives it three punches. Uh he, he gets three punches and then um and then he falls into into manure. A Jones. A Jones. Not only does he fall in manure, but he actually has it coming out of his mouth. <laughs> disgusting yeah it's good time so um i would say that uh the the last sequence with the train is good times it's pretty intense um i don't know i i, I loved every second of it um it's it worked it did it really gave i think it was the best climax of all of all the movies yeah, was it, the it worked it worked it was a summation of what we had seen before and i just think it it worked really really good okay really- and then we get the train scene. Yes. Oh no 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 the the train scene. What do you mean? Uh, the, the train. You know, getting on the train. Yeah yeah. I I'm not, well we're talking about the train scene, but I thought you were like skipping ahead to like the other no, train no, scene. No no no. Well, I thought we were t- we, we, we were talking about the, uh, the the scene where Biff was arrested, and um, in a deleted scene. He was actually going to be arrested for shooting Marshall Strickland. Right, and they cut that out because that would have totally changed the tone of the movie. But uh, I think um, in regards to the train, though, um, I love the uh, how he has these three things he throws in there, and they're all going to go off at the exact same time he thinks that they're going to go off. I mean, what are the odds that you throw three things in and they go off the exact same the time you want them to? And in the exact order. Well, he's got. Well, Doc's a scientist. He's got to figure this stuff out. Yeah. He, I mean, he he's got it all timed. He's, he's, I mean, he's very he's very precisionist. He's got he's got it all timed and and what he and what he wants to do. So I don't think that's just too much of a stretch to to have it to have it go off like that. No, no, I. Um, here's the thing that, uh, why I like the movie much more now, because something I realized I never did as a kid, when we get to the, basically the climax of, uh, you know, she comes back and Doc has to go back to get her. And, uh, we get to the point where Marty's about ready to hit 88 miles an hour, gets Doc the hoverboard and Doc saves her. And here's what I thought as a kid, Marty goes back and the elect the, the electricity around the car transferred Doc, you know, Doc and Clara, but it didn't. I realized that they stuck around that whole time, and he just built a new time machine. Yeah, he built a new time machine based on steam and not gas. Yeah, he took a he took a new train, built built a train, built a time machine out of a train, went to the future, added the flying mechanism, and. You know, I, I never realized that. I was like, how does Doc, how does he go to the future? I never understood how he went to the future. And uh, it all kind of clicked for me. I know it's something I should have realized, but when you see those special effects as a kid, you're just like, well, what happened to Doc? Maybe it was, you know. And the- and, and, and I think that was that was the point is because you didn't know what happened to Doc when Marty shows up in 1985. Yeah. 
and, and and you're just like so floored, and you're like, well, I guess he didn't come along. I guess he's he's back in the past. I guess. Yeah. I, well, I always assumed that he was just in, in the Wild West, and uh, the time machine gets destroyed by by a train. How ironic. Yeah, how ironic. And it gets destroyed by a train, and um, basically ensuring that there will be no more Back to the Future movies ever again. And I'm glad. I Perfect Three and end oh, yeah. it series. Don't remake it. Call it a day. It's a classic. Leave it that way. That's what I say. That's what I say. I don't think they can. I don't think they can because you know. Um, Universal owns their owns the rights to Back to the Future, but um, but Robert Zemeckis owns the rights to the characters. Yeah. So basically, they can't do anything without talk at least talking to him and Bob Gale first. Yeah. So um, but yeah, and then we see like everything's back to normal. Uh, they he got sent back a day after he got back. He he got because he 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 was Saturday, October twenty seventh, and now it's Sunday, October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty five. And this 1985 looks looks different. It looks cleaner. Yeah, it looks cleaner, but it, it, it looks like a different 1985 than we saw at the end of part one. Yeah, it, it just looks better overall is yeah. what it does, you know. Yeah, it does, it does. And um, and we see that every, the, the family's all together. George McFly's alive. Um, Biff is still um, uh, George's um, slave. Yeah, and Marty doesn't get in his car accident. Yeah. Uh... And Jennifer's fine, and uh, it, it's, yeah, it it all ends well. It everything's good, and then finally, Doc shows back up with his uh, with his family, um, his wife Clara, and his kids Jules and Vern. Yes, and um, who, who who we'll see more of in the Back to the Future um, cartoon. Yeah. Cartoon. <laughs> I I love that cartoon, man. I thought it was great. It's 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 good times. It's I, good times. I watched it. I loved it's good it. Good times. Um. But um, but but before they take off, um, Doc gives Marty a um a picture, because uh, we forgot to mention that they took a picture in front of the clock tower. They yeah. took a picture in front of the clock tower. Yeah. Um, and it's it's awesome, and I want that picture. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the exact same picture that they found in the library that just had Doc, and this time Marty is now in the picture. It's the same exact pose, and he's like, "Too bad I won't be able to show nobody," but you know, it, it's all that matters. So yeah, um, and he's got it. He probably still won't be able to show anybody because uh, how do you explain that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I went back in time with Doc Brown, who also is stuck back in time. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's a good time. So so yeah, like I said, I gave it four and a half. Um, I, I I give it a very very strong four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and I I would say why it's not a five is just because my whole Western thing, you know. Why it's not a five? I guess I could rate it a five. Yeah, I'll give it a five. because I absolutely love it. I think it's a great film. It's got, I mean, it's basically this is this is the sequel, to me. I mean, because Back to the Future Two is the sequel, but to me this is the sequel that. I, I don't know should have been first, but it's the one I prefer because it, it feels like a, a sequel to Back to the Future. Yeah. Because, because it's got the time travel, it's got the wit, it's got the wonderful dialogue, it's got the uh, setups, it's got everything that you could want. You're not hindered by um, by a girlfriend who needs to be unconscious. You're you just and I think all all the movies are great, but I, I just I really I really love this. This is my second favorite Back to the Future movie next to the first one. 
Yeah, and I mean, you obviously can't have it without number two. But I, I did want to say this, that um, when we were, um, when we took a little time off, um, I actually went on uh, Jason's show, Show Me the Winston, and uh, his favorite is Back to the Future 3. He said that uh, that that's his hands-down favorite. Um, so, and it's just because it's a fun, fun movie. And and that's what it is, 100%. It's pure fun. It's so much more. It's even a little bit more fun than the first one, but uh, it's good times. So I love it. Yeah, it's definitely very very good times. I loved it. So what do you, let's um let's just do a, a recap of what we've had so far. Back to the Future, one, two, and three. This trilogy. What do you think? Um. Well, what do you mean? What do I think? I mean, what, what do you think? Of, like, what do you think of the whole series? I mean, I mean, we we've gone through Back to the Future one, Back to the Future two, and Back to the Future three. I mean, what do you think of the whole series? And where do you think um where the where the franchise has gone since then? Well, I mean, obviously, it's hands down the best time travel movie there is. There's yes. very few that have done any justice, and the only one closest to that is Frequency. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously it stood the test of time. People still love it. Michael J. Fox as sick as he is. Um, people still love it just from last year's alone at the scream awards, how people just went crazy over it. And it's the type of movie, just like the karate kid, which this show is named after. If you didn't know by now, if you haven't gone back to the earlier episodes that, uh, it stands the test of time. You can have your kids watch it and you live your childhood through their viewing. I mean, that's the kind of movie that it is. Um, it's definitely a family movie, even though there's some swearing in it. It's not the hardcore swearing. Um, so no, it, it, it's pretty doing, good, man. It's like you're you, you hitting something or what? No, I was just typing something. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But I, I think it's a great trilogy. It's one of my favorite trilogies because, I mean, it's just one of the few um, series that's a, still a trilogy. Exactly. Probably the only one because Rocky, Rambo, Die Hard. Even Karate Kid, um, Star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings is gonna have um, have The Hobbit, um, and it's just it's the only trilogy that's still out there that's still a trilogy. And Robert Zemeckis has it, you know, as of the Blu-ray as of October 2010, um, is, it has not planned to make any movies. But we've had an animated series, we've had it, we've had a ride, we've had we have that new video game which is awesome. Yeah definitely a nice companion piece to the films but i i love this series i think what sells this series i like this this these movies for the same reason that i like uh, supernatural um what sells supernatural for me is the relationship between jensen ackles and jared padalecki as sam and dean winchester right and i think that's what sells this for me is this relationship between um, Doc Brown and uh, Marty McFly, and I think, I mean, I, I don't think if a sequel would have worked without them. So. Exactly. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's all about the characters. That's that's what you go back for when you watch a sequel. In all reality, is you want to see your favorite characters and their adventure, and you hope that that adventure is better than the last adventure you saw them in. And uh, in every movie, pretty much, you know. Everybody has their favorite of the series, but everybody can pretty much say that, well, I won't watch number two, but I'll watch one and three. Or, you know, all of them will at least say I can find some good things in each of the movie. Even though number three was always my least favorite, I could still watch it without saying, well, I've just watched two, so I'm done. Right. 
it's so, still good. So yeah, I mean, even Lethal Weapon that had a number four, and I thought that that was an excellent. That's my favorite cop series of all time. But that movie didn't have a trilogy; it had a number four, and I thought number four was the best of all of them. But Back to the Future wouldn't work with the number four. It's closed up. It's done. It's over with. So so yeah, I I I would say that's that's pretty much all we have to say on the trilogy. What do you think? I'm I I love it. I love the trilogy. Um, I I love everything about it. So. And uh, I am glad, though, that we are done with this trilogy so we can move on to uh, bigger, bigger and better things. So it's gonna Yes. Be what, is, what is upcoming on, on, on Sweep the Leg? Well, um, as I said in the – because I did a Sweep the Leg update um, when we were – you know, just to give people a heads up because um, I do know that we have a lot of listeners. I want to thank all the people that do download the show, especially people that are not in the United States. But unfortunately, we don't have a lot of people that like our Facebook page, and we don't get any emails, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop doing the show. So I don't actually know – what people think about stuff, but I wanted to give them an update to say, hey, if you weren't seeing the the downloads in iTunes, it's not like we left. I, I threw like a 10-minute update on there. And basically, me and you were going to do a Being Human episode after the Back to the Future series, but we're thinking um, about doing something else uh, next time, but we're still talking about that. But for sure, we're going to do some TV-related next episode. And, yep. then, and then after that, we're going to do our first music spotlight. I'm excited. Music spotlight, uh, TV. It, it's going to be really, really exciting. Because, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for series of movies, like sequels and you know, and prequels and stuff. I, I love sequels because I love seeing all those, di- all these different characters and all these different adventures. And TV is like that for me. I love seeing all the different characters that I that I fall in love with on a TV show. So. Exactly. I'm a sucker for sequels too. Uh, if it's characters I love, you know, I, I want more and more and more. So it, it's good times. But yeah, we're definitely going to be doing a TV related episode next time. I'm not sure if we'll be, because uh, we are getting this out to you earlier than expected, because originally this was going to be coming out to you Wednesday, but instead it's coming to you out earlier. But uh, next week, I think you're working. So. Uh, we're gonna try to get an episode out to you as soon as possible. Oh, uh, sounds sounds great. That's that's what's our plan anyway. Yeah. Now, um, in regards to our music spotlight song um, that we picked today, um, me and you, sir, um, we, me and you, like Kelly Clarkson a lot. Um, I, I'm a big American Idol fan. Um, you know, I love the show. I know that you only watched, I think, like one season or so. You saw the Kelly Clarkson season. Uh, I, I only saw the first two seasons. Oh, you saw the first two seasons. Okay. And I was actually – last season was the worst season. It was horrible. But this new season with the revamption and the music producers and Jennifer Lopez and Steven Tyler, it's become a super fun, super fun show. Um, but uh, a lot of people um, uh, like Kelly Clarkson. And there's a particular song that me and you really, really enjoy off of her last CD that we thought would be a super fun song um, to play for people. Uh, to kind of end this series because it's been a fun series. And uh, what are your thoughts on this song, which is uh, – the name of the song is called um, – what is the name of the song, sir? Don't let me stop you. Don't let me stop you, yeah. I, I knew that, but I was just drawing a blank. So, But yeah, what are your thoughts on this song before we play Don't let me stop you from remembering the songs. And... 
Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I personally love this song because um, I love it when Kelly is a, a rocker. She's very got very good voice talent, but uh, this song is very rocking, and uh, and her her voice just goes crazy in this song, and the chorus just sticks in your head. Wouldn't you agree, sir? Oh yes, yes, yes. It, it's just like when certain, as soon as you hear this song, you're like you're head banging and you're just jamming to the music and you're loving it. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, she never made uh, a single out of this or a music video, but this is one of her biggest fan requests in all of her concerts. And uh, me and you have posted some YouTube videos on our Facebook pages for people to see. So we decided that we wanted to, to pick this song, have a fun song to end the series on. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, that's what we're going to play for you guys. So do you have anything else you want to say, sir, before we get into – before we play our, our, our sign-off song? That's it, sir. That's all I have to say. I've just, just keep tuning in. Yep, keep tuning in. Send us your emails, sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com. Tell us what you thought of the Back to the Future series, um, you know, what you want to see from us, any suggestions, you know, feedback. You know, if it's feedback we don't like, then we're just not going to read it, so it's all good. So <laughs> I just kidded, of course, guys. <laughs> yeah, <better be. laughs> So, all right, guys. Well, here is your music spotlight song. It's Kelly Clarkson's, and it's uh, Don't Let Me Stop You. And you guys take care, and this is Masunas out. And uh, Tim, you want to sign off, sir? Uh, yes, this is this is a Super Tim signing off. See you guys later. One more time.